The Tumbling Saber Podcast is a proud member of the Star Wars Commonwealth Podcast Network. Connect with us on Twitter and Facebook. Subscribe to our shows on Apple Podcasts. Visit our base at StarWarsCommonwealth.com and take your first steps into a larger world. Hey everybody, welcome back. It's time for another episode of the Tumbling Saber Podcast. I'm Kyle. I'm Murray. And I'm Rick. Welcome back, everybody. Amidst a very, very difficult week, some compounding difficult times out there, everybody. Hope you're staying safe. Hi, how y'all been? Um, I don't even know where to start this week, guys. I really don't. Uh, there's, there's a lot of stuff going on out there. It's unavoidable. We can't just trudge into Star Wars without first touching on uh, the craziness that is going on, particularly um, with you guys south of the border in the U.S. Uh, Rick, what's happening, man? Put some of this into context for us. Um, I, I don't want to fall too deep into um, everything that's going on, but I just wanted to say that, you know, there's a lot of um, there's a lot of uh, sadness and anger and um a lot of things have come to a head in the last week. And again, I don't, I don't want to dwell too much into all of that. And uh, something that we had talked about briefly, Kyle, is whether or not what we do here recording a Star Wars podcast in light of um, real world events, um, if it's if it's worth it. And I, I think it is. Um, you know, not to suck the fun out of anything, but I just I just want people to know that, um, you know, there are a few of us who live in what are being called kind of hot spots. You know, like I, I live outside of Chicago and there's been a lot of stuff that's happening today uh, in particular. And, um, you know, we have listeners all over the place. And the only thing I really want to say is that to everybody out there that is listening, that does take the time to listen whenever they do. Um, you know, we care about all of you and we are grateful that you have taken the time to listen to this silly little thing that we put together when we do. And um, it means the world to me personally to know that um, there are people that um, that we can affect one way or another by you by sharing a little bit of brightness by talking about something that can serve as a distraction a little bit and again it, it may seem trivial to talk about something like this but um i'm not gonna let major world events um dictate how i feel about certain things i'm sad and i'm angry and i have a, a, a lot of emotions about what's happening because i'm seeing things happening very close to home and um I just know that my love of this one thing isn't going to go away, but that doesn't mean that I'm apathetic to the bigger picture. People are suffering, people are hurting, and um, anybody who's listening to this knows how we feel generally about the state of the world. And anybody listening to this knows that you're loved. You know, we care about you. This isn't just a thing that we do to talk amongst ourselves. You know, we know that it carries a little bit of weight, however light it may be. It's um, it's something that 
you know, for myself, it, it, it means a lot to be able to do this. And so anybody that is listening, um, who is feeling any kind of hurt, any kind of an emotional loneliness, um, you're not alone. There's a lot of us who feel the same way and let the next hour, hour and a half, however long we decide to do this, you know, be the distraction that, that lightens your day at some point and also let it be a part of a time capsule to kind of document where we are in the world right now. You know, this is we're we're living through a chapter in history that our kids or grandkids may read one day. And we we lived our lives through it. You know, let let that be the record that we didn't fall into fear, that we didn't say, no, I can't do this because there's too much else going on. You know, we know where our hearts are. And um, right now, my hearts are with all of you, anybody that's hurting in in directly affected or just feeling sad about the state of the world. I'm right there with you, but I do want to share the thing that we all love and that's star Wars and it's silly, but it is, it, it is what it is and, it, and it's ours and let's cling on to that. So. Yeah, that's super well said. And yeah, <laughs> you're right. I mean, we did talk briefly, Rick, about, should we even record? Is this necessary? Like, God, what is, what a dumb thing we're doing here. And yes, it's it's this fun, silly thing, and we enjoy doing it. People enjoy listening to it. But really, I mean, given what's going on, do we need a break? And ultimately, no. I think I think what you said is right. It can be a distraction. And what I think, you know, broadly speaking, what we need a lot more of now is things that bring people together. There's enough division. There are enough people in high places doing some dividing. Uh, maybe maybe we need to try and f- combat that a little bit with a, a little bit of unifying forces. And uh, so I think, I think it's a good call that we decided to like go on with this podcast this week. And it's, I think we're going to have fun anyway. We're going to get this out of the way because it's important to, to, like you said, time capsule it to make a note of this because there's some, it's, it's painful, man. Like where I am North of the border, it's, you know, we're watching here and we're just like, am- like, amazed not in in the bad way amazed just like wow like what crazy times the frustration the the pain the anger it's it's just it's immense it's crazy um so yeah like like rick said our hearts are right there with you guys who are who are really affected by this in any way Uh, maria is there anything you wanted to add to this Uh, um it's it's just a lot i've watched a couple of videos that have just blown my mind. And luckily I, so I live in Birmingham, Alabama. Um, and today I got to watch a live stream of a peaceful protest and it was all these different people that were talking. It was city council members or Senator, the mayor, and then a bunch of Uh, high school students and people that run the civil rights institute and it was really powerful but they were consistently being like peaceful 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 and it was just really powerful yeah i I sometimes you know hate really sells and the stuff that makes you irate and outraged justifiably rightfully so gets shared i think a lot more than the stuff that should be should serve as an example as hey look there's other ways um and i don't take anything away from protesters go at it yeah you say your thing bang some drums shake some beehives make some noise do it all um 
but there's there's some cool stuff happening out there that were there was one video I saw of of a a riot squad officer who had gotten separated from his group and uh protesters wanted a piece of him but there were some protesters in the crowd that like circled around the guy and just literally shielded this this police this SWAT team officer whatever he was a riot officer and it was that I was like wow like that's that's something like that's putting their neck on the line for in the name of this peaceful protest because that's ultimately that's that's the way it's got to get done like you know again not not the fault I don't want to get down this rabbit hole too too deeply but <laughs> yeah there, there's a lot of healing that's got to go on and it's you know <clears throat> if it feels like the tipping point is nigh and um you know it's 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 something something's gonna happen because <laughs> what's going on out there now is just not cool we are we are teetering on the edge of a collective insanity and there should be enough hope that we we can come out of this uh, however it is I mean, a couple of weeks ago we were talking about just the way this the virus was was changing the landscape of the world and now we're talking about something completely different and um you know, there's there should be some kind of hope. If we're going to use Star Wars as any example for anything, it should be that there's some hope in the world to know that, you know, the powers of of justice, of of humility, will prevail, and a better tomorrow will come. And I want let's let that be the thing that transitions us into the topics that we chose to discuss because I don't want to dwell on it. I'm ready for a little bit of levity. I want to laugh about some things. I want to make fun of some things because the longer we fall down into this thing, it's going to be harder to get out of the mire. And I do not want that. And I know our listeners don't want that either. Absolutely. So with that said, you know, kindness, let's, let's, you know, keep, keep these people who are suffering in our thoughts. Let's, um, and let's honor them and let's have some fun with this. We got, we got a lot of Star Wars stuff to talk about, even though, News was short, short, short this week, but we have we we're packed anyway. We got a lot of stuff that we're gonna get to here. Um, let's start, Marie. How was your week in Star Wars? Well, I um, got in the mail the <laughs> my like tenth adaptation of the original trilogy. I swear to goodness. <laughs> um, so. <laughs> um, <clears throat> But they're beautiful. So it's Studio Fun International. Yeah, y'all saw it on Twitter, but um, the they are children's storybooks, and the art is phenomenal. So pretty, and the covers are gorgeous, and it's just a fun read. And so the original trilogy, three separate books, Studio Fun International by Ryder Windham. That's what my Star Wars week has consisted of. Cool. Ten adaptations, ten versions of of the of Star Wars. You wonder how many? I don't think I'm exaggerating. I don't think I am. <laughs> oh, I, I don't. No, I don't. I don't think you are. Like, I, what I find interesting is that I I would love to one day go through all the different adaptations and just pick out like the big differences and go like, how did you come to that? Yeah. <laughs> One day aliens are going to discover our our civilization, the ruins of it, and they're going to find all this Star Wars merch, and they're going to go, 
They didn't have their story straight. They had no... <laughs> there was no plan for this story. Look at all the... <laughs> <laughs> Who's running this ship, Star Wars? It's like they never hadn't planned for anything. Wow. Um, Rick, how was your week in Star Wars? Um, well, if we're counting a week from the last time we recorded together, I um, managed to get um, the retro Lando and the retro Boba Fett. Um, those were both pre-orders that I had that came in uh, oh, end of last week, I want to say. And um, man, they are they're great. They came in separate packages and the um I took the Lando out of the box and luckily it was in very good condition um in the box because I've seen a lot of like horror story stuff on like Yak Face where like people's shipments came and just all messed up um from um different uh distributors and um I'm grateful that mine came in okay. But the uh the Lando <clears throat> you know it's got the vinyl cape and it's got his blaster and it's got a little this little communicator. No, no, that's on the Black Series, uh, the 40, uh, scratch that. And, um, but I'm noticing that, like, the, my original, my uh, Kenner figure has whites painted on his eyes and his teeth. And the new retro version that I have doesn't have that. So it's kind of like just a weird kind of distinction. Um, and then the, um, the Boba Fett in the retro uh, collection that, uh, that came in last week is, um, it's a stunner, man. I was looking at it and just like it took me back to like playing in the backyard and just so much like fun times of, of having the original figure. And, and I did the same thing. I pulled out my OG figure from from back in the day and did a little side by side. And Isaac was with me and he was like, is that your Boba Fett? And I said, yeah, he picked it up and it's kind of like it's a little tacky, like a little sticky just from like years of not touching it, you know, from like old, like oils from your skin. You know what I mean? Like it, it needs yep. to be cleaned and um, it's a little discolored. It's not, you know, perfect or anything. It's still in great shape. Um, and the joints are nice and tight and everything. And he was like, you, you played with this one. I was like, yeah. And he's like, but it, but it looks so good. And I'm like, he goes, it looks like the one in the package, except the color's different. And I said, well, you know, your grandmother, my mom, like made sure we took care of our stuff. That's why I still have it 40 years later. So um, those two things came in. There's, um, let me think of anything else. I did some digging, um, Friday before, um, I, I did, uh, was lucky enough to, uh, to do a live stream with, uh, Blue Bantha Milk Friday night, um, which was a lot of fun despite some technical issues. Um, I did some rooting around it and it was looking for, um, just some old things that we can bring up about the prequels. And, um, I did, I found my old, um, fan club card that I've posted pictures of before, but I, I couldn't find it for months. Um, so I found that. I found um, my uh, ticket stub from the uh, Star Wars uh, A New Hope Special Edition back in 97, yeah. February 97. Um, and um, I'm trying to think what else. I, that might be it um, from that little group. I, I found stacks of other concert tickets going back to like 1993. That you know have all been scattered about, but that's not. They weren't like John Williams in concert. Right? Those are like you know personal mementos from my concerts that I've been to. But like, uh, yeah. So uh, the retro figs and uh, these little bits um, that we found. So it was um, it was nice to go uh, travel down uh, memory lane with uh, some of the stuff that uh, that I've gotten recently. Cool, man. I, I somewhere in this house, I can't find it, but 
maybe I don't have it anymore, but I think I still have my Lucasfilm fan fan club card too. On the reverse, it's not signed by me. It is signed by Louise Post of Veruca Salt, which which is why I want it back so badly. Oh, oh, uh, yeah. See now, do you remember when you got yours? Because mine, and th- this is not a brag. It's not a gatekeeping kind of thing. I know we did mine in a probably about end of eighty four, early eighty five. So mine goes way back. So I don't know what it was like. You oh, know, because no, mine doesn't have old. a backup. No, no, no. Okay. Mine is yeah, um, no, but mid nineties, like ninety six, ninety six. Like I met, I saw and met Veruca Salt like late. It was like yeah, it was July, early August of nineteen ninety seven. Okay. And I met the band behind the back of the of the venue. Um, hung out with Louise Post for like, a, geez, I don't know, a good half hour, forty five minutes, maybe longer. Do you remember what the face of the card looked like? What was on it? It was, it was the Tantabee before being chased by a Star Destroyer over Tatooine. Okay. And it had, I think, Star Wars, the logo in, in the top corner. It's like the size of a credit card, right? Yeah, it's it's like a business card. And it, mine has um, uh, Death Star 2 over, I'm assuming Endor, uh, the, uh, the the forest moon of Endor for, before the nerds start uh, coming <laughs> into pitchforks. I gave I gave my... my yeah, wife. no, I... I I gave my wife the gears last night. We were watching Return of the Jedi. And um, yeah, she said, oh, it's the Ewoks live on Endor. And I was like, excuse me. I'll have you know, it's the forest moon of Endor. All right. (laughs) How's that for a well, actually? So no, like that. that, Go ahead. Sorry. Did you? Did, did you apologize right afterwards in your Canadian way? No. You you can't make that kind of mistake. I feel, <laughs> I, I, I feel like I'm rubbing off on you, Kyle. <laughs> You've been a positive influence, Rick. Uh, that's, all, that's all I'm here for. I'm, I'm now retired from Tumbling Saber. Good night. We've done, we've done our work. We've done our work to lift everybody back up. Thank you, Rick. <laughs> no, but I had a... I had a I, I kind of let this, the kids steer the ship now whenever it's time to watch a Star Wars movie. So we kind of watched them in all sorts of different orders. Like we watched Empire last week and we watched Jedi today, which works out. Um, or last night we watched Jedi. But in between, like we'll, we'll watch, watch uh, Force Awakens was on Friday night. We watched that. It, they, we go all over the map. I just let them pick whatever one they feel like watching. I'm good with it. Uh, but I had this really proud dad moment. Um, when my daughter, she's almost, she's nine and a half. We're watching the opening crawl to Jedi and she's reading the, the crawl and it gets you know, the three ellipses at the end. And she goes, Hey, this one has only three dots. All the others have four. <laughs> and I got all verklempt. I was like, Oh my God. I, oh my, Oh my God. She's a nerd. <laughs> I, I was just so proud because who notices that raise your hand if if that's something that you a notice and b care to care to even talk about if you did notice and it's like it's it's this boy that that is some like granular trivia marie you can write that one down if anyone asks you which which star wars movie has three ellipses at the end it's return of the jedi it's the only one and <laughs> my daughter my daughter brings that up, and I was just like, "That's amazing! I'm so happy! I'm so happy!" She's a keeper, absolutely. Um, 
Yeah. So Rick, I want to come back to you guys, to you talking with, uh, with, um, the guys from blue bantha milk, but I want to, my collecting update. And I'd love to be able to do this. And I, I like to be able to thread things together. So last week, um, FN 1977 had asked us uh, for some collecting advice and we gave it. And our, my big piece of advice was, or, and Corey's as well, was to be part of like local and national Facebook groups for collecting. And you can get really, you can, there's black series groups and there's vintage collection groups. There's Lego groups. Like there are whatever group you need, there is that specific group, almost guaranteed, like right down to your local level, like in state, city, whatever. Um, so this week I was hanging around in my black series group and somebody goes, Hey guys, I know this isn't black series related, but, uh, the dollar store up where we are in Canada, we have Dollarama and they have, I don't know how or where they got this from, but they now have in stock on the shelves, tons of trade paperbacks, legit trade paperbacks. Like you would have bought in your comic book shop on Amazon, wherever, they're now at dollar stores and guys are now these people are all running up to Dollarama and going, Oh my God. Oh my God. And they're all four bucks a piece, four bucks, wow. all of them. So we were out today. This, today was our first family trip out as a group going out somewhere together with the kids and they had to wear their little masks. It was adorable. But we, we stopped at, <laughs> my wife had to make, make a stop at the dollar store. And I'm like, Hey, uh, you mind stopping by the book section and, Take, take a little look-see, see what's there. You might find some Star Wars stuff. So she sends me a picture, and it's of this Star Wars book that I have no interest in. It's it's weird. But I'm like, hey, I'm looking at the picture via text, and she's like, I'm like, look three rows behind that. There's the Han Solo trade paperback, issues one to five. And then and nice. then and then she hit the honeypot, and it, there was all kinds of stuff. So this is the haul, and I I, I held back, but I got Charles Soule's Lando. Han Solo, nice. the Marjorie Liu Han Solo, issues one to five trade paperback. Shattered Empire, issues one to four trade paperback. Uh, Star Wars Epic Collection. So this is the, the old Star Wars Marvel, the run. Issues one to 23. Holy moly. Yeah. Plus there's other <clears throat> stuff in there too, like a good amount of other stuff in there too. It's 470 pages, four bucks. Good Lord. And this is the one that blew my mind. So Kanan, the last Padawan issues one to 12 in a hardcover format, four bucks. Whoa. And all that. Now, hold on. That's $4 Canadian. Yeah, dude, you'd be paying like 250 right now. Yeah. Holy Christ. Like, <laughs> that's good. That's good stuff right there. I paid $25. Ah. Which reminds me, I need to pay my wife back. But 25 bucks uh. for, <laughs> what is this, 12, 23. I'm looking at like 50 plus issues of comics in my hands right now that I paid $25 total for. It's, 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 oh, my brain was leaking out of my ears. And there was more that I could have had as well. And the dollar grandmas are everywhere. So I'm going to be like itching. To, to tempt coronavirus just to go see what kind of cheap trade paperbacks are available to me. But anyway, all that to say, like that is what, that's the power of, of these collecting groups. I wouldn't have known otherwise. I would never would have set foot in there at this, you know, during pandemic times other than, unless I had known. So definitely go, go like sign up to those local collecting groups. If, if you're on Facebook, 
And it's one of the only reasons why I, I remain on Facebook is, is those groups and our tumbling saber group and our, you know, other, other podcast groups. That's it. Um, yeah, that's kind of it for me. Um, uh, otherwise, other than that, like collecting wise, new packaging for the black series stuff, which is long overdue. This stuff looks great. I'm Maria. I know you're not, you're not big into black series, but have you, did you see those pictures going around this week? Yes, it's so beautiful. <laughs> Is this something that Just will pull you into Black Series? Just the boxes are gorgeous. Gorgeous enough to pull you into Black Series? No. <laughs> oh, oh, I didn't. I did get one Black Series figure, though, that I was super excited about. Oh, wait. We got we to gotta guess. I'm not going to guess. Who is it? C-3PO and Babu Fred. Oh, right. Yes, of course. Yeah, you did post that. Fantastic. Yeah, it's great. I was so stoked. <laughs> with the, with a Babu Frick, which is, what, a quarter inch tall? Three-eighths tall? He's so tiny. <laughs> He's so little. <laughs> so absurdly little. He might be, what, <laughs> half an inch tall at, at best? Yeah. It's ridiculous. I definitely am not taking it out of the package because I would lose it. Oh, yeah, for sure. Like, he, yeah, he disappears and gets sucked up in the vacuum and you don't realize it. Right. <laughs> but yeah, like I, I hadn't seen the collecting community sort of gasp in a long time when the, the, until this new like box art came out and a, along with images of all these new figures that are coming and Rick, how's your pre-order game? <laughs> um, I might have to whisper for the next few minutes. No, I, um, <clears throat> Where do where do I begin? Oh, um, Jesus! It it was it really wasn't that bad. I'm I'm over exaggerating it. So I am in the the uh, the Discord chat of um, the Resistance broadcast, and one of the uh, fellows there has a shop, and I did my pre-orders through his shop, and it's going to kill me now because I don't remember the name of his store because I want I want to put it out there. Um, give me one half second here. He runs a store called, uh, Skyward Fun, um, is the name of the store. Um, and he, you know, there were some technical difficulties, you know, trying to get the orders through just because of traffic. It wasn't, you know, this wasn't one of those, uh, Hey, they were releasing, uh, the one thing and everybody wants it. You know, the, the Hasbro released, what uh seven rebels figures uh repacks a few of them six new black series packages um and then they've had like all the marvel legend stuff that's come out in last week too so um, i wanted to support small and um i ended up getting uh putting in a pre-order for zeb obviously um, obviously because yeah because you know that's the that's the newest of of uh those releases um i put in a pre-order for Ahsoka, because I have not been able to find a Black Series Ahsoka that wasn't an exorbitant amount of money. And I put in a pre-order for the Beskar Mando. And uh, that was it. I was like, I can't do the rest. I already have Chopper. I already have Hera in the old black boxes. Um, I thought about Ezra, but and really only because... 
the black box Ezra's are like $120 a piece on Stupid. eBay for some ungodly reason. They came out like eight months ago. I don't Stupid. understand the push for them. Um, and when, when those, when that wave came out, I remember going into a target and it was like, ah, I don't really have the money to buy toys, but let me just go see what's here. And there was an at, there was a Dr. Afra and Ezra and, um, I think it was a uh, BT one sit not sit on the shelf. And I was like, Oh, and my love of Dr. Afra was like, if I get her, I have to get BT one. Nah, they get you. But I, but I also super love rebels because that was the first thing I got to watch with Isaac from beginning to end as, as it was happening. Which, by the way, we're doing a rewatch of Rebels. We're almost at the end of season two right now, but um, Twilight. So I couldn't dis, I couldn't decide what to get at the time. And this was going back last year, maybe I don't know, August, October, somewhere around there. Um, and I decided, you know what, I, I really can't afford it right now. And I put all three of them down and didn't buy any of them. And I don't, I don't regret not buying because it would have, you know, 20 bucks, you know, even at the time was like, you know, we had just other things going on. And uh, so I, you know, I let them go. But then to see these prices for Ezra go up the way that they did, it blows my mind. I, I really don't understand it because as much as I'm down with the character, like the Black Series figures that they did for Rebels, they tried to make them more, quote unquote, like screen, like, like live action faces. yeah. yeah. And I don't, I don't know if I really like them, um, the way that they look, but whatever drove up that demand and price, it just, it, it's crazy to me. So, you know, I thought about putting a pre-order for Ezra, just kind of like just to have it, but I'm like, eh, it'll drop at some point. I'll find an old, with these new ones coming out, I'll find it, you know, in an OG box at some point. So, um, so yeah, I, so I got, uh, Zeb, Beskar Mando and, uh, uh, who else? Uh, Ahsoka, uh, nice. with the uh, with with the white with the white sabers and uh, but yeah. So again and again, I got to say this: find your small shops, people, because they they need your help. You know, Hasbro and your Walmart to Targets and stuff. They're doing fine, even in light of everything that's going on. They're still they're good. Find a little shops. Find a way to support them. So you want to reach out to Skyward Fun. Their website exists, or places like Megalopolis or other stores like that that will will get your orders out for you that aren't gigantic stores they're great places to shop at and they do very well to package their stuff make sure it gets to you in good condition so do that well that and that's the thing that well for people who collect in box that's a big deal because a place like a walmart or an amazon if they if you order online they the person packing doesn't necessarily know that you're collecting it to keep it in the box and so they'll, they'll stuff it in a shipper envelope out the door it goes and it gets crushed along the way but the toy inside well, it's will not, be fine. It, it, it's not. It's not even that. It's that that you know they're expected to do so much work so quickly that they're just going to shove it in there. You know that it's not that they don't care. They're just like I have to process so many things in X amount of time, and then and then they do it, and they end up with you know you end up with a day. I, I don't want to get into that. That's a whole other red. One of the tricks I would do um, when, on occasion when I order from Amazon and I'm ordering something that I need. I want the box to show up and I, you know, I want it to be in one piece and, and crisp and all that stuff is I'll wait until I know the order is shipping and then I'll add, I'll buy a hardcover book and have it like, hit up the person in chat and then say, can you add this to this order that's due to ship soon? No problem. 
Oh, by the way, that that reminds me. I also did put in pre-orders for uh, Queen's Peril. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to remember what the other two books were. There were three books total, but it was Queen, Queen's Peril, which I think comes out next week. Uh, <gasps> it's soon. Yeah, it's real soon. Oh. It was Qu- Queen's Peril. Uh, oh, uh, Shadowfall, the uh, the second uh, Alpha Squad book. I've heard great things and, about that so far. Yeah, and I put in a pre-order for um, the Poe Dameron Freefall uh, book, which those books are coming out later in the year. But um, yeah, there's some reviewers that have that have already gone through copies of uh, Queen's Peril and Shadowfall, and um, things sound uh, pretty uh, pretty good. So awesome. I'm excited to get those uh, when they do come in. So awesome. And you, you one of the things just lastly here on, on collecting um, black series stuff is great. I, I've, I put a pre-order in with a cup for a couple of Mandos. Um, one of them I might give to my son. I might not. I don't know. Eh. <laughs> I think I have to. Right. Um, what else did I order? I, I Zeb, of course. Got to round out that rebel set, even though I don't. I don't have Chopper and Ezra, so I'll probably have to pick those two up as well. And, and I'm I'm so happy that Ezra's coming out again because it's going to drive the price on the secondary market for Ezra way down. I'm so happy about that. I'm so happy. I can you know people that it's are, the same. It's the same thing with like uh, the the Revan Black series when they re released it. Um, those, some of the prices went down on the on the original ones too. So yeah, hopefully those prices come down. Good. I hope they do because it's ridiculous. And some people like snatch them up and ooh, ooh, I got them. And I'm, what, you're not going to sell it. And I, or you are, and you're going to you're going to screw some some other legit collector who just wants it for for their collection. So I'm I'm glad that that's going to drag those prices back down to earth. And Rick, you were mentioning before about uh, the retro collection figures, <laughs> and that um. There's like these minor subtle differences. Like when you look at them in package, you go, oh man, that's exactly the toy I played with when I was a kid. But there are like little minor differences. And I, you know, I, I don't know why they do it, but I wonder if it's to foil the bad actors out there. And you know, they're out there. The people who would. It has, it has to be. Yeah. Because would, you know that there's some people that that'll take it out of the package with the blaster and say, oh, this is an original that I had back in 1980. It, but yeah, that, like, one of the things I noticed with Boba Fett is like um, his shoes. One of the shoes is all just a touch different. Um, it's like the way the way like the the lines are. This there's very subtle differences between the 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 OG figures and the retro stuff. I don't have any of the um, a New Hope retro figures. I never saw those in a store anywhere. Um, and when this wave was released here, I the only two that I wanted were Boba Fett and Lando. I think the other ones look cool, but if I see a, a, a Bespin Luke, I'll grab it. But I, that's maybe the only one that I want. But um, yeah, so there's some differences in there. You know, like the height might be just the slightest bit off, or but the sculpts themselves are very. They're like ninety eight percent to what the original ones were. I don't know where they got the old, like if they had the old molds still from Kenner to use them and they found a way to tweak them or if they just completely laser scanned, you know, some of the, um, the old figures and, and tweak that to get a completely different mold or something. But whatever they did, they look great. Uh, they, they really do. The retrofits. 
they're, yeah. they're super cool. And it scratches that itch for me. Like it doesn't, you know, I've always wanted to go and get some of those original carded figures for, you know, anywhere from 150 for the lesser than characters up to the you know, sky's the limit on some of the bigger, bigger huh. names. Forget it. Can't do it. But these scratch that itch. Like they put that original looking figure in the same package and it it's it's it it'll it'll do until such time as I win the lottery, which I will. And uh, <laughs> uh and then you know I can I can get into that legit uh vintage stuff, but until then, this will do. Uh anyway, so that's it for collecting this week. Great stuff coming. I, I laid off the Return of the Jedi figures that were part of this new uh box art release. Just because I know in three years' time, they're going to be part of like the Return of the Jedi 40th Anniversary Collection. Or they very well might be. So I'm going to, I'm going to hold off and, and hope that I'm right you know, on that it, one. If I have to say, like as much as the new box art looks cool, and if it's something that they're going to do going forward, great. You know, a, a redesign of, um, of the figures is it was due, you know, they, the, the black boxes, you know, started to get a little boring, but I kind of don't like that. They have that mural effect on the side of the boxes that you're meant to have Akbar with, who is it? Uh, Tebow or that you have to, you know, you're, you're supposed to have Luke with Vader or the best Garmando with the Stormtrooper because the images on the side of the box overlap. I don't, it, it, it almost, it, it's like a way to like, a trick collectors into getting both because they're part of a set. You know, they change the colors on the side of the boxes so that, you know, these two go together and these two go together. I don't like that they, that they've done that. Um, I was fine with the numbering system they had for black series figures. Um, and, and again, I do think that a redesign was in order, but I kind of don't like that they did it that way because we know how insane collectors can be about stuff that you have one, and it's somehow incomplete that you don't have the Ewok that is supposed to stand with Admiral Akbar. To me, I, I, it's, <laughs> it's it's insane. It's a little bit insidious. I don't, I don't like it. Yeah, I kind of don't like it. And it it's, it looks cool, but I don't like it. Well, yeah, and it, and that's part of the struggle. Like you'll get this great looking box, and you'll go, "Ah, oh, man!" Like I want to display this, but the figure is the reason I bought this thing. Exactly. It, I mean, it, it shouldn't be for the box, but if you are an inbox collector and you have, let's say you bought the Tebow and not the Admiral Akbar, you know, his, uh, what's it, uh, the, the, his Calamari Cruiser behind him, I don't know the name of this shit, I'm not that big of a nerd, sue me. <laughs> it, like, oh, it, okay, God <laughs> Marie, you're great. And I, I don't know this stuff. This is why I'm not a competent. Anyway, but the fact that, but the fact that it like overlaps into the Tebow box where he's got the Death Star 2 behind him, like if you have the, just the Tebow and you're like, well, what's, there's a tip of a thing there. What is that? I don't know. You have to have the other box to like line them up together. Like, and it's, it, it's, it, that's, you know, getting into foil cover you know, gimmicky territory for mm -hmm. collecting. I, I, I don't like it. All right. So let's get out of collecting. Collecting stupid. Forget it. Um, uh, forget, oh, we said, <laughs> forget we said anything. 
<clears throat> Let's talk about uh, Disney Gallery episode five instead. How was that, guys? Marie, did you enjoy this fifth episode? I did. Actually, it's the only one I've seen. <laughs> Lucky um, us. <laughs> I watched it to prepare for today. Um, so I, I'm just not a big behind-the-scenes person, but I really enjoyed it, so I probably will go back and watch the others. You're going to love them. And it's it. I'll tell you why. I... If you, if it's because you don't want to see how the sausage gets made, that you know this is like that show is not what that, that geez. Showing how the sausage gets made is not what that show does particularly well, and that's not the point of it. It's it's like they it's the roundtable conversations they have that are right. the best part of the show. Yeah, I, that that part was really cool. Yeah, that's that's what you get big time in the other episodes. So you won't be on set like watching them like how did a specific effect get achieved or you know that's what this episode was about in some ways but yeah you it, it's more about what the creative process and what went into it and some of the history of star wars so i, th I think you'll enjoy it when you go back to binge it cool but i did enjoy it it was it was really neat watching all the um how the child was and i love how they called it baby <laughs> i love that they validated so that story that was going around some months ago that was in the news that uh Werner herzog had called everybody on set a coward because they were they thought okay we're gonna do this and it, we're gonna cg the baby and he's like no you cowards let's do the let's do the puppet and i love that they went there in this episode Rick, what did yeah. you take from this episode? This episode was like, this is what I wanted to see from this series. I've, I've enjoyed every episode so far, but, you know, we we grew up watching uh, some of the behind the scenes stuff. Well, I don't want to speak for everybody, but growing up with the original trilogy, there were some specials that had come out or stuff that was on <clears throat> VHS that, that we saw or that I saw like a little that really helped to expand my imagination as far as like what it took to make these, uh, these creatures, these, uh, these ships and stuff like that. And this episode, episode five, um, was really what I was looking for. I wanted to see the practical, um, design of the stuff and watching it, uh, Friday morning, before work was um such a treat you know to hear everybody's enthusiasm over the different design aspects and like that one first like really ugly <laughs> baby yoda design that they oh. showed where it's like his teeth his teeth were all gnarly and his head was kind of bulbous and just like yeah that one's that that's nightmare fuel down. Yeah. yeah that that one's like nope that's uh that's uncle baby yoda and he lives out in the in the woods somewhere um <laughs> by him by himself he's like gnawing on tree roots uh for, that, that uh, was for like nourishment. shrek baby yoda <laughs> it, it was awful <laughs> it was terrible um but you knew at the time like when when they were talking about um the designs uh, the, the idea for this character and then they said and then we brought in Brug, uh, doug chang and like it's like oh now, now it's getting real. You're bringing in the big the heavy dog. hitters. Yeah, you're you're bringing in the heavy hitters for design. 
you know, and, <clears throat> you know, Doug Chang, is, you know, he's, he's that guy now. You know, th there's tons of people that do design work. If you follow Phil uh, Showstack online, you know that there's a ton of people that help with every bit of design and to bring in somebody like him to help mold and shape things like you're getting into some very serious design territory. Um, and he is not the one who designed um, the final version actually of, of um, the child, the asset, the baby Yoda, if you will. And um, I forget what was his name? Uh, Brian. It was Christian Osman. Uh, Christian Osman. That's it. I'm sorry. Yeah. And um, it was just, just that one piece of art and they said you know what this this is the one and they put three months of work into design and development and worked with um a whole other team of people to uh to get this thing to become you know something <clears throat> believable and to the point where even the actors on set were looking at this this puppet this on its own inanimate object and looking at it with like adoring eyes and like you know looking at that asshole Toro Calican petting his head like oh look at the baby screw you, you he know, does like, not oh, deserve it that uh, no I know what's his it, name uh, bo uh the Cannavale Cannavale uh, whatever it is. you know what his his name doesn't even deserve to get spoken I don't even care he that guy's he's the worst he does not deserve to hold that character you know, maybe he did at the time, but now that we've seen the episode, feelings have changed about him, and that's fine, <laughs> you know? But the way he's, like, stroking his hair, we see in a little clip, I'm like, oh, and like, knowing what he does, I'm like, you put the child down! You don't get to do that! It's not <laughs> <cool>. <laughs> we don't like you anymore! <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, no, what, like, the, the all of the work that went into the development of just that one piece of the show that one puppet you know that they tried to make you know quote unquote flesh and blood um everything about that to me blows my mind because that's the thing that helps to sell star wars from jump street for a lot of people is that there's there's things that come off as real you know growing up when i when a lot of us did yoda was that thing if Yoda didn't work on screen in The Empire Strikes Back, that whole movie falls apart. Oh yeah. And <clears throat> you know, it they they found a way to incorporate the the design of certain characters to make the Mandalorian work on that same level. And not just for Baby Yoda, but for IG Eleven, all of these background aliens that they were showing throughout the course of the, the gallery show. Um to me, like all of that practical, tangible stuff is like, give me all, give me three hours of just that, and I'm, I'm good. That's my day. Yeah, that 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 stuff's always a treat. And so, I almost everything Star Wars related now, I always watch with my kids. And I'm broken record about that these days. But I don't know. Like I, I, I know they're enjoying seeing this show more. My daughter than my son. He's still a bit too young to kind of pick up on these conversations, but. So we're watching and I'm thinking to myself, like, am I ruining Star Wars for these kids? Like, no, am, like, is it taking like I, I didn't see any of this behind the scenes stuff until I was like, I don't know, 12, 13, 14 years old. Like, so I got to have these formative years with Star Wars just as a story and just 
revel in the magic of that story. And now they're kind of they they they've seen, um, um, was it the the documentary on Rise of Skywalker, whatever that was called? They've seen it, you know. They've seen um the uh, the one from the the Last Jedi. They've seen that one as well. So that they've seen all this behind the scenes stuff, and it does sort of. I wonder if it sort of t- neuters uh, the wonder and, and magic of the whole thing on it for a little kid. I don't think so, because they still talk to me all the time about the stories. So I, th- I think I'm good, but it, the thought does enter my brain. Yeah. No, not, none of that stuff ruined it for me at the, you know, growing up, because, you know, I kind of I mean, and, and I understand people's not wanting to know how what things are like behind the scenes. But I think for me as a kid, like, you know, watching um, those special, there was a special, I think that was on like CBS um, right after Return of the Jedi came out that Mark Hamill narrated. Um, I don't remember what it was called. So somebody will, will Is it Empire point of it out to us, but I don't think so. There, there was there was one. There, I think it was called from Star Wars to Jedi. Yes, I have um, it on VHS right here. <clears throat> yeah, and uh, that was. Uh, I remember it, it. It aired on TV, and um, uh, seeing puppet, especially the um, the maquettes and puppets that were being made for Return of the Jedi at maybe six. I think when that was on TV, I don't remember if it came out before Return of the Jedi came out. I doubt it, but. Um, it just, it, it built up what Star Wars already was. It was already this make-believe world, um, that felt very real, but to know that there were quote unquote real things in it, you know, real puppets, real artistry that went into that to me as a kid fascinated me and, you know, to see the, um, the behind the scenes stuff, then it just, it, it brought so much more, uh, it brought so much more depth to the storytelling because there were so many more hands involved. That's what, that was my takeaway from it. And that's the kind of stuff that I try to share with, um, with Isaac, like when, you know, I, I don't want to ruin the experience. I mean, he's already, you know, pointing stuff out that like, well, 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 actually he's, he's already doing it nonsense <laughs> to me, but, um, but I, I, I think it helps like show that like, you know, if you want to be involved in this kind of storytelling, like there are other avenues as opposed to just being, I can be Luke Skywalker. I can be Princess Leia. No, you could be the guy who makes the ships, you know, behind the scenes. You could be the guy that, uh, you know, helps design the creature and you'll be a part of Star Wars in that way. You know, Star Wars is bigger than just these movies and we know that. No, that's... that's, Sorry, go ahead, Marie. Um, I do remember when... I I must have watched a behind-the-scenes video of the original trilogy... At some point, because I remember when I was younger, I wanted to be a Foley artist. I thought about doing the same thing that when I went to broadcasting school, it was like, how do I get into like Foley stuff? I visited a school down in Florida and I was like that. That was a thing. Like, I really wanted to do that. So it's weird that we Marie, we should be friends. (laughs) (laughs) Look what's happening here. You see, look at this. (laughs) <laughs> isn't this nice <laughs> so i was interested in that aspect for sure how they made the sounds and everything i was just like this is so fascinating yeah and it, it, you know what I, I, sh- I should probably 
ease up a little bit on worrying if I'm ruining it for my kids. Because my son goes, when I grow up, I want to work with Baby Yoda. And of course, when by the time he's ready to do this, Baby Yoda's probably not going to be part of the story. But at least he's now thinking that, hey, I can work on Star Wars too. I never thought about that. Never. And, you know, and thinking about uh, that documentary, Rick, I just sent you guys a picture. But from, from Star Wars to Jedi, the making of a saga. That this was this it's, came out with the, the one the THX set. At least that that's the first time I saw it, and that was I think really <clears throat> my first introduction in a, in a significant dose to the behind the scenes of Star Wars, and it just felt like another just re like experiencing the saga in a whole new way, and it just that's I, the I'm sorry that's the documentary that has the um the bit with Salacious Crumb where. Hello His in puppeteer TV gives land. The, uh, yeah, hello out there from TV land. <laughs> and then they brought they brought the same um like model make puppeteer model whatever to to do the the Kawaki monkey lizards on the Mandalorian. They yeah. brought the same guy back. I, I forget his name. Um but you know, bringing it all full circle to, you know, to the Mandalorian gallery show, it it blows my mind the things that they're doing for the Mandalorian in terms of like the digital landscape. Well, we saw last week um, with the volume and all of that, like, that's great. That's cool. But it's a thousand led screens being powered by a thousand hard drives basically. And it's great. And it, it, it made the show feel like you were wherever the characters were, but still having that tangible aspect of these episodes and then learning that little bit about it that they gave us. Cause you know, they didn't give us everything. They didn't show us like all the little servos and motors in the child's head or anything, which could be disconcerting. But the, the, the fact that they gave us what they gave us, like it shows like that's the stuff that makes it that much more real, you know? And it's one of the things that like talking about the prequels where everything was so blue screen and a lot of characters were CG as groundbreaking as it was, it took away the personal aspect from the stories because you kind of knew that Jar Jar wasn't really there. We knew that there was an actor there. You know, we didn't have um, Dexter Jetster wasn't really there. There wasn't a diner built for, for Ewan McGregor to sit down in. It was a lot of blue boxes and stuff for him to interact with, which, which, Kudos to the actors that were involved in all of that blue screen, green screen stuff, because it had to be really difficult to, to do that stuff. And but you lack just the slightest touch of emotional impact from those movies that we're now getting with The Mandalorian because they're interacting with a very real environment. They're surrounded by it, um, but it still wouldn't work if they didn't have those little bits of practical um, um, puppetry and maquettes to to deal with with that they could be physical with and express you know the way that they couldn't do otherwise yeah for sure um and the actors who you know Ewan and Natalie and and they've, they've all kind of spoken to that like it was really tough to interact and to, to perform in those movies because you're in a room surrounded by blue and people dressed in blue and so like a lot of it was in your mind's eye and you that it, it, it's not the same but uh, you guys spoke about on Blue Bantha Milk and I didn't I haven't listened to the whole thing. I was able to listen to like the first 15, 20 minutes and it was really good stuff. 
Uh, so if, if you guys out there are looking for something to watch, uh, go check out Blue Bantha Milk. And, you know, Rick here was on last week, so it's definitely worth it. And and Sean and Matt are super solid guys. Um, and you guys spoke about... Uh, the main topic was, are the prequels secretly brilliant? That was, was that, that was the main focus, wasn't it? Yeah, that was the... Um... That was how it was, it was uh, presented. You know, let, let's talk about the prequels. Are they secretly great? Does uh, everybody like them? And we, we talked about uh, the prequels for about, I don't know, a little over an hour or so. We had uh, some technical difficulties. I don't want to undersell the show because it was a lot of fun. So you can find um, those guys on uh, on YouTube, uh, Blue Bantha Mill Company. And um, yeah, you know, it, it was great to kind of go back down memory lane and talk about what it was like standing in line to see the Phantom Menace the morning it came out uh, with some friends and uh, the, the toy release um, back on uh, the toy release was <sighs> two weeks, three weeks before the movie came out. I have, I still have my certificate from Toys R Us from that night uh, for the midnight release of the Phantom Menace toys. It was and absolutely um, wild. Yeah. That the, um, the lead up to Phantom Menace uh, for me, was I think it slightly edges out the hype um, that uh, the Force Awakens brought, and I and I remember um, fellow Commonwealth um, show uh, the nerd uh, the nerd room had that poll maybe like a year year and a half ago of like which movie had the biggest hype, and it was uh, Phantom Menace, the Force Awakens, Infinity War, I think, and. Um, I don't remember what the fourth choice was. And um, <clears throat> I just remember thinking, like, personally, like, what it was like growing up pre-Phantom Menace. When Phantom Menace came out, like, Kyle, you and I, we were both 21 years old when the movie came out. So we were able to build up on that hype as adults. And, like, oh, I remember how awesome Star Wars was. And, like, we kind of maybe still had money to, like, buy stuff and not just be like, Mom, Dad, can you take me? It was we were like actively engaged in, in the fandom um, in that way. You know, I mean, I remember chat rooms and stuff, but like, yeah, no, we, we go into a lot of that stuff in, um, in the blue band, Bantha milk stuff and Matt and, and Sean are great guys and you guys should really check it out um, and really follow what they're doing just on YouTube and um, on the Twitter and stuff. Cause they're, they're a lot of fun to uh, interact with. Yeah. They had some interesting, uh, Matt had some interesting things to say about being a YouTuber about how you know you have to be a certain way in order to kind of penetrate YouTube's algorithm and get noticed. You know, like you almost have to be a bit baity with your thumbnail art. And it's it's like living in YouTube is such a weird thing to me that the like the content, like Matt and Sean's content should stand on its own and and draw attention. But you you have to you have to have a different pull. There's got to be a different lure to get you in. That's so weird to me about YouTube. But yeah, just on the topic of are the prequels secretly brilliant? I I think as time goes on, and I think it's obvious now, but those that trilogy I think is easily the most uh tight of the three with the most unified clear vision. I th- I I don't even know if that's debatable. I know Marie, what do you think? Are, are the are the prequels secretly brilliant, Marie? you know for me that's uh hands down 
freaking I adore them so much. I can't. There aren't even words. That's that's the answer I thought I'd get. <laughs> <laughs> and I no, I th- I think it's true though. I think that they. I think in a way, in a lot of ways, I mean, technologically, they were ahead of their time. And as far forward as George Lucas went with technology, I think people now realize that, well, of course, the computer technology has, has caught up and gotten much better. But I think a lot of people still want to sort of meld the practical with the CG. And I think you needed that pendulum swing to what the prequels did. And then a little bit of a snapback into something that works, gets a little bit of something, every like everything involved to make, like, now effects are just so good across the board. And I think the prequels had a, like, a huge hand in, uh, in making that happen. And story-wise, I think, I think they're great. Really fantastic. I mean, we can, we can sort of talk about the acting and the dialogue. I think the story is phenomenal with the prequels. Both like the story of Anakin and the backdrop story with Palpatine and and the downfall of society, yeah, it's brilliant. And I, I even as fans, you know, if you grew up with the prequels or if you grew up with the originals and then saw the prequels and were sort of like, huh, I don't understand. This doesn't match up. Only like it took years for some of the brilliance of those stories to kind of come out. They go, yeah, the Jedi's didn't make sense to you because they're not supposed to. They were flawed. Yeah. And it's taken it's taken a while for fans to kind of realize, oh, I, I get it now. I see what George Lucas was doing. Maybe I shouldn't have bullied him. <laughs> 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 oh, but I digress. Anyway, check out uh, check out uh, Matt, Sean, and guest starring Rick. I wish I could have been in there with you guys. I really, even in the first 10, 15 minutes that I watched, I had so much I wanted to say. But uh, that's the beauty of, of talking Star Wars. There is, there's always so much to say. Yeah. All right. Um, into a quick little bit of news here. Book news, incidentally, as you know, we'd like to focus a little bit on the printed page here on this uh, section of the podcast. Uh, High Republic. Wah, wah, delayed to <laughs> 2021. How sad are we? Rick, Rick, are you shedding any tears? No, not really. Um, there was already a whole slew of books that were coming out this year that were going to occupy my time. Um, if this is just one of those, you know, I mean, we we heard, we, we saw the press release and, and what they were saying there that uh, there's just a lot of uncertainty and, you know, and, da, 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 and whatever um, that uh, led to the delay. If they... I'm fine with it. You know, if, if it's like a book binding thing, it's like a factory kind of thing that that's fine. Um, but if it, if we come to find out that it was like a story related thing, no. that's a whole different thing. We've heard that so much with, with, with the movies um, that it becomes, uh, it becomes, uh, you know, such a, a, a talking point, but we know at this point, it doesn't seem to be the case. Um, we know that the, the, so much so that, uh, it was who was it? Michael Siglane put out the uh, the the release that you know he basically said, uh, why don't you go ahead and ask the authors about these uh, five or six different uh, dealies uh, that were that were thrown out? And it was like um, the Staros clan, the the Santeca clan, the Blade of Bardada, um, 
I don't remember the others. And um, so they gave us a couple of nuggets in that little press release. Um, but so, yeah, no, waiting until January for these books doesn't really bother me all that much. Um, and I think also, too, because the the, the first I think the Charles Soule book was supposed to come out the week of celebration this year. And if there isn't a celebration, you, you know, I remember talking about this before. They know maybe they had like an exclusive cover that was supposed to come out for celebration that they can't do now. Um, maybe, that you know, that's like a production thing that maybe maybe they made a ton of these covers that they can't do anything with. And they'll find a way to auction them out or find a different way to sell them exclusively or something. Um, there's a lot of, uh, logistics, uh, to that end, but uh, it doesn't really, doesn't really bother me all that much. So, uh, I mean, like, and, and, but like I said, there's a ton of other books that are coming out that, that are going to fill the gap. So I'm, I'm ready for them whenever they do come. How about you, Marie? Were you sort of, were you saddened to hear this? I know you, you read voraciously and they, they, I think, I don't know if they can print enough for you to, to stop you from reading it. Like, were you, how sad were you to hear that this was being pushed? So it's a huge bummer <laughs> because right now we aren't getting any comics and I guess maybe they'll start coming out in June. I don't know. I'm looking at Wikipedia right now for 2020 and it, but it keeps moving. So I don't believe it. Um, but it's just, or did it come out? Did something come out on the 20th of May? The comics have started moving again. They have? Yeah. Okay. The, the, the IDW stuff is, is out. Okay. I'm behind. Uh, being stuck at home has boggled my brain. Um, But I did read the Dr. Afro uh, issue that came out. That was amazing. Um, but I see now. Okay, awesome. I will definitely get on that because I've just kind of assumed and have resigned myself to the fact that there's not that much out there right now. And having a print media review blog, <laughs> I'm like, you're starving. I need material so I can review it, which is why one of the reasons why. Instead of doing one review for all three of the original trilogy Studio Fun International books, I did three separate reviews. Um, but it's just, I I need more literature. I know, yeah, I know what you mean. Like when I first read it, I was like, "Ugh, why?" And it, it, yeah, it quickly sort of crystallized for me that yeah, I mean, all these print shops are probably way backed up. And so they're, yeah. you know, they're, they they can't meet the the August dates for these first initial books. So let's bundle it all up. High Republic just gets ported over to 2021. But I also felt that it was like the precursor to Celebration being canceled next. Mm. That was and maybe that's maybe I'm reaching too far ahead. Maybe one's got nothing to do with the other. But I got to think that Celebration was going to be like the big marketing launch for this series. Yeah. And if the books aren't going to yeah. be there, like one of the big pillars, you know, for st of, of content for a celebration is now gone. And it's just one right. more 
leg kicked out from from the celebration table. So I gotta think that it's it's fairly imminent uh, that that celebration is done for. But mm. my, the bright side for me is because I read so slowly, opposite you, Marie. Like I, as fast as you read, I am on the other end. I'm just so slow at getting to books. Now I actually have time to read Queen's Peril, uh, Shadowfall, which will come out. Uh, the, yeah. The good, I guess the good news, the only consolation is that the Thrawn book got moved up to September yeah. 1st. So that's going to come out a bit sooner now. So now I have a, personally for me, I get a little more time to digest these three books that are coming out in 2020 rather than trying to cram them all and then get into High Republic because that's going to, we're going to need to focus on that. That's, that, that's a big deal. It's a good point. It's a really good point. But I know what you like, for, you know, uh, you running your blog, you would love to have this content. Yeah. There's going to be so much to, to digest there. Just the stories and you can do get to know these new character type blog entries. So I, I can, I can get from that standpoint that it's a, it's a big bummer. Yeah. And the weird thing is I've been reading, I've read about since this whole thing, pandemic stay at home started. I have probably read about 10 non star Wars chapter books wow and i'm like this is weird i'm reading stuff that's not star wars (laughs) but there's just not that much out there so it's like i i i read so i've just found other things to read but i mean it's been fun kind of getting out of my star wars bubble but i do miss it i know i i've I bought a whole bunch of books. I have a huge stack of novels that I've just, I've bought, but never read. And I've started getting into them. And I, you know, as well as with X-Men reading that more, I haven't touched a, a star Wars comic or book in a while. And I know I just bought five <laughs> trade paperbacks today. Now I, <laughs> I'm going to get into those at some point, but I think it's healthy in some ways to kind of get yeah. out of the bubble and, and read what's happening elsewhere. Yeah. As, mu- as much as we are, you know, uh, hook, line, and sinker with this with this galaxy far, far away. I like to peek outside now and then and just get out of, get get into something else. It kind of allows you to come back at it with a renewed excitement. Yeah, it's it, and it's nice to have. It's nice to know that you have the freedom to stray sometimes into something that is totally unrelated. Yeah, totally unrelated. Like I'm reading uh, John Le Carre, who's like who writes espionage type stuff, but not not in the James Bond way. And I, you know, I'm loving it. It's it's absolutely not anything to do with fantasy or sci-fi, but it's cool <laughs> and it's a different genre. The writing is completely different. I'm in. Let, let you know. I'm looking forward to reading all these books over time. I'm enrolling in Medicare soon, and it had me a little confused. Then I found myhealthpolicy.com. With myhealthpolicy.com, I could go online and compare Medicare Advantage plans from some top-rated national insurers, including $0 monthly premium plans. I could learn about plans in my area and talk with a licensed insurance agent if needed. Myhealthpolicy.com has made doing my research a whole lot easier. My choice, my Medicare, myhealthpolicy.com. New to Medicare? Start now. 
Go to MyHealthPolicy.com to learn about some of the top-rated Medicare Advantage plans in your area, including plans for $0 a month in plan premiums, low out-of-pocket costs, and expansive provider networks. If you're thinking about a Medicare Advantage plan, MyHealthPolicy.com is a great place to go to find a plan that meets your needs. Learn more about your options. Even talk with a licensed insurance agent. MyHealthPolicy.com. But uh, let's uh, let's talk about some actual Star Wars content. Here we are, well over an hour in. We uh, not, we haven't even spoken about anything within the story universe of Star Wars, and we've been pushing this off for a while. But it's time to get into the rise of Kylo Ren. Ooh. This is yeah. We we've been wanting to talk about this one for a while, and we did actually talk about the first and second issues. But now the whole thing's out. We've had time to read it once, twice, three times in some cases. And I, I, yeah, after the digesting it and thinking about it, I think it's a good time to to talk about this character, Kylo Ren, Ben Solo, because it, as it turns out, he's kind of polarizing. Mm. <laughs> to say the least. So um, going back to what, sometime in 2019, when they announced this, uh, we're all excited. Like we were freaking out over yeah. the potential of this series. But I, I, I know for myself, one of my big major concerns was four issues. That's yeah. it. Four issues. You're going to cover this in four issues. To me, that was going to be a drawback rather than a strength. But then, you know, we, we get the series comes out. I thought the I thought it had a solid start. Like I thought the first two issues were pretty good, but generally had not covered too much ground in the grand scheme of things of what I felt needed to be covered. And I thought that you know anybody who thought that the 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 four issue constraint was going to be problematic, you at this point you're feeling validated by the concern. Uh, Rick, broadly speaking, what are your thoughts of Rise of Kylo Ren overall as a series before we get into some some of the specifics. Um broadly speaking, I, I did not like it. That's <laughs> that, that, that's about as uh I I I I really didn't enjoy this four issue series. I, I think the the intro pages of issue one were about as good as it got, and everything after that. Um I didn't do anything for me and Marie, what did you think? <laughs> I honestly loved it. Um, I, Oh my goodness. So on the, in the fourth issue, I was able to draw a lot of parallels with Kylo Ren's journey and Anakin's journey to the fall, falling to the dark side. Um, I loved seeing Ben's struggle and how hard it was for him to kill anybody. And that reminds me a lot of Anakin's really good heart and how if something bad happened to someone he cared about, he lost it. Um, but also the... The fact that Ben Solo, everyone's like, you're a golden child. You're, you need to live up to these really high expectations. And he was just like, oh my gosh, no. 
no. I don't want to live up to these expectations. I'm sick and tired of hearing you tell me that I'm this, that, and the other. I just want to be my own person. And to me, it really deepened his character. Yeah, like after going through the series, I think I've, I think I've read it through three times now. I I don't know that I feel any extra sympathy for Ben Solo or empathy. Like every time I got to a place in, in over the four issues where I'm like, oh, here's a place where I think I'm supposed to feel bad for him. I think he, he then goes and says or does something really stupid. Yeah. Like I felt like that was it was an unforced error on his part. Like I don't know. And maybe this again, this is, comes from like whatever your mindset of Ben was going into it. I don't know that this story did anything to, to sway you one way or the other. Um, you know, I, I don't know that the series did a great job in justifying Ben's turn to the Knights of Ren. Like, I know I'm supposed to feel that he had no other choice but to run to Snoke and the Knights of Ren, but it, it the, there's a big chasm in his history and that we don't see any of his history with his parents. Yeah. To me, that's, that's true. A, that's a huge hole. I have to assume at some point it will be told, but like I, I can't. I have a difficult time accepting that Snoke would be the first, first person he turns to when things got hard. Like regardless of how much Snoke had bent his ear, like why, why is that guy the first guy he went to? And I, I know that Ben, like Ben chooses not to go to Hosnian Prime to see Leia once the Academy is destroyed, and I. I, I felt like there's no reason for him not to. Like, she would have absolutely welcomed him home, despite whatever trouble he had started with Luke. Or not started. Whatever. Like, I feel okay. like not going to Leia was a was just boneheaded and, and, and not really well justified. There was so much left out of this story for him that... That, that, I hope that was an audible sigh. That <laughs> no, narrator, it was nothing. Nothing of this story painted him as the villain he was. I thought he was supposed to have been coming into the Force Awakens. I, I don't want to have to feel bad for Darth Vader in the beginning of A New Hope. I don't. I also, in that same vein, don't want to feel bad for the new bad guy in the sequel trilogy, however they decided to tell that story. You don't... To start off a story sympathetically to whoever your villain is supposed to be takes away from the villainous aspect of that character from Jump Street, and it does a disservice to that part of storytelling. I don't care that Kylo Ren that Ben Solo had a tortured past in the beginning of The Force Awakens. It's at, the, at that point of the story, it should not be something as a, a part of his character makeup. Not yet. It shouldn't have come out that early. You know, for him to take the helmet off in The Force Awakens and he's just got these flowing locks and, you know, you know he's, he's a dude. He's just some dude who, you know, is wearing a mask. Um, he's a poser. There, there's nothing about him in that vein to me says threatening, except for the fact that he has tendencies towards dark side leanings and can use the force. 
that's not a threatening thing for me in, in terms of storytelling. And if that was the goal of what the story was supposed to be, I, I guess I get it. Um, but nothing that came across in the movies to me was that he, in retrospect, nothing that happened in his comic books lent to a credible backstory for him leading up to the movies. You know, I think that's the best way to frame it. There were so many things that could have been explained better within his comics, even though we knew it was a four issue series that, you know, could have shaped him into a somewhat more terrifying character. And he just wasn't. And, and I didn't, I, I wanted that for his character um, to be someone more menacing or more threatening. And I, 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 I never got that from, from these four comics. I, yeah, there's something there that you said that I like is that coming into TFA, we all know, we all knew, like, was it a shock or was it even, was it public knowledge that Kylo Ren was Han and Leia's son? Or was that like, did they, did they sort of obscure that? That I mean, it seemed like that was like a spoiler thing that had gotten around or that people deduced that his name was, you know, Skywalker and Solo mashed up. You know, that, you know, it was possible. Um, but I don't think there was any clear, like, the villain is the son of, you know, these heroes. At least not for me. Like, I wasn't following spoilers at the time. But, yeah. you know, it, it still just seemed like, I mean, there had to be some kind of, but this whole sequel trilogy was about family connections, you know, however they they went. So, and the, I mean, the thing is, the fact that J.J. Abrams dropped it so willy-nilly, like, in the first third in the movie, like, uh, you know. Well, yeah, that, 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 that to me, neuters the villain. Because you you know, at least yeah. you, you have a strong suspicion that, okay, well, this guy is, I mean, if that's Leia's and Han's son, he can't stay bad forever, can he? And so you never fully buy into him being a villain or him as a villain because you just know how, you already know where it's going to go. I mean, I, I had issue with that, you know, maybe not to that end, but but again, in The Force Awakens, it lent itself to what could have been a very compelling story of like, oh, wow, why did he go this way? What was the story that turned this kid of, of for lack of a better term, privilege into somebody who was willing to turn his back onto everything that should have mattered to him? You know, you know, there's so much if you want to get really deep about it, you know, and this was something I talked about with Blue Bantha Note that can be a detriment sometimes. But if, but if we want to get deep about it, you know, what was the psychology of Ben Solo that dropped him into that place? What was going on in his life? These comic books, in my opinion, don't give us that. They give us like the last two weeks before he decides to bleed his crystal. And that's it. But this was a kid who was obviously tormented personally you know in in his own head whatever mental again going into the deeper stuff that's going on there was something going on in his head that that led him down that path and it wasn't a selfish thing like anakin had it wasn't a um a righteous or 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 noble feeling it was just that he had to step away from his family name i'm I don't know for me personally if if that's enough to drive somebody to that other side that he's having a crisis of identity, a crisis of legacy to say that, you know, okay, well, I I just want everything for me. 
And maybe there could have been a better way to tell the story. Maybe there could have been details changed. But these comics, again, I have to stress this, for me personally, it didn't give that to me. Marie, what do you think? So, um, I mean, it was in some of the, a good bit of the dialogue in different places. But there was that one time where he said something along the lines of, um, I'm named after, like, first of all, Ben, I'm named after someone I've never met before who is this great Jedi Knight. And then Solo, that's not even his real name. And then, so there was that, just his name itself, where he's like, it's a lie. Everything's a lie. And then there's this great Jedi that I'm supposed to live up to. And then later on, when he is talking to Ren, um, Ren is basically telling him, oh, you're you're not living up to our expectations. Like, we thought you were going to be this great dark warrior, but you're just not able to to do it you're this is a joke like i can't believe you even came here to try and he just snaps and is like oh i'm sick and tired of this i am my own person and that's when he kills ren and so it's like it all came to a head just this this weight of expectations and people thinking he had to be a certain way or or was a certain way. And I, I guess I can kind of relate to that, (laughs) which like having all these grand expectations for your life and put on you by other people. And then you don't quite live up to them and you feel kind of, in some moments, like a bit of a failure, and that sucks. And so I get why he finally just snapped. Yeah, I thought that particular conversation with Snoke, where he's venting about his name and how you know, he's named after someone he never met, and my dad's name's not even Solo. Um, I, I thought that was pretty good because it did show how sneaky and manipulative that Snoke Palpatine is. Not that we needed mm-hmm. help with that, but uh, I thought it was—I thought that was a good bit there, like to get Ben to like lean into that insecurity and telling him that he needs to needs to embrace his true name. I think is what he called it, and you know, that's how you—that's how to become your truest self, or something like that. Like I thought that was pretty good stuff, but like I, I also I wanted to like reach into the page and like slap Ben in the face and go like. You're, yeah, your dad's name is Solo. It's not his real name, but do you know the story? behind your dad like you know like if 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 you know why your dad's name is solo and you look at where your dad has risen to yeah that, that's pretty good stuff ben that's not something to to hold against your dad like so what if his name's not true like look what the name now represents like and you and yeah that's part of you like that, well i mean go ahead no i was just gonna say like that that to me like ben deserves a slap in the head for that Yeah. I mean, (laughs) you can also say, though, he is his grandfather's grandson. Mm -hmm. Skywalker men 
are idiots. Are whiny and arrogant and uh, impetuous and like they're just oh gosh they're all the same and Luke obviously grows out of it a bit uh, but he starts off just as bad oh man and so it's like (laughs) these they just that that's how they are (laughs) yeah they have they have some pretty bad like temper tantrums like they're, yeah. they're prone to it. Like that bloodline is just prone to temper tantrums, <laughs> you know, but I, I think one of the things in, in that the story does overall is that Ben is, is he's certainly aware of the power of his, of his bloodline, specifically the, the Skywalker side, but the way he kind of leans into that, like once the temple burns and Ben's like, Oh, I didn't want this. Like it's, yeah. I think it's ambiguous as to whether Ben actually did it or whether Snoke used the Force from halfway across the galaxy to annihilate the temple. Like th- that is completely that's as clear as mud. Like I have, I still don't know what actually destroyed the temple. You know, like it was struck by lightning, but was it Kylo who called it down just in a fit of rage by accident, or did Snoke do it? Rick, do you have any thoughts on that crystallized for you? I don't I don't think he did. I don't think he had it in him to do that. And that's where I see his character. That I I think that's one of the biggest flaws of his character is that I don't think at any point he had the determination to do one thing over another because he had been manipulated by uh so many different factors, be it family legacy or Snoke or, you know, Palpatine or whoever. Um, I don't, there's no way in my mind that it, that it could have been him because if I think if he had done that on his own in that moment, I, again, if you're writing a villain, he should have held on to that and progressed from there and not fallen back into an idea of, um, Oh my God. And I have to run away. You know, if you're going to be the villain, own up to being the villain and don't run away. You know, I I don't. I don't know. I had so many issues with with these with this series, but the way Charles Soule wrote this character that do not validate him um, as as a viable villain. Ben Solo, to me, was every bit of weak and very feeble-minded that he fell into a trap. That there, from all we know, that he, he had a decent upbringing. You know, his parents gave him a loving upbringing, even though that they were still consumed with their own things. He wasn't neglected, unless unless they give us that story later on where he was raised by droids or something. But from what we know so far, he wasn't. He had family. He had a sense. He had self you know, I mean, we again, we don't know all the particulars there, but for him at, at this point in his life, at he's what twenty some odd years old at this point. We're assuming maybe twenty one if he's twenty seven at, or or close to thirty at at the Force Awakens uh, timeline. Um, I, I I don't know. I I don't see at that point in his life where he could be so easily uh, folded 
You know, he's there's nothing strong about his character to me um, that the first couple of issues of this book give to him. I don't see a strength in his character for him to have, have fallen apart that easily. It, it's and, a, it's a, and it. Go ahead. Well, I, it, it's curious to me that they that they put like I think Kylo is like 30, 29, 30 years old in TFA. I think this the the meat of this story is set like five six years before, so he's mid twenties in my mind when he when he falls to to the dark side. But like, we see that he's been manipulated much earlier. Yes, yeah. At least in his mind. But I mean, it took fifteen years to get him to a point where he was just like, "All right, fine," and throws up his hands and he's like, "I guess I am a murderer." You solve the case. I hated that line in the fourth book when she's like, you're a murderer. And he's like, of course I am. No, like it's, it's such weak writing. Like there, there, there had to be something more than just an accusation and an acceptance because he wasn't up to that point in the fourth book. He wasn't a murderer. He was, he was, he was pushed into a corner, forced to act. He never does. But when he does, things happen by by mistake or by happenstance you know he's never really the one fully culpable for anything that anything bad that happens he's melting from office space pushed into an <laughs> office in the basement because you know somebody keeps taking a stapler and he's like muttering i'm gonna burn the whole place down and then he finally does and he slinks away like nothing happened that's Ben Solo in the series to me like it was such a disservice for and, and again if people who love this book's Great. I'm glad you did. I'm glad you got something out of it. But for me, I never saw any sign of strength in this character, in 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 Ben Solo turning into Kylo Ren. He was he was the definition of what Adam Driver said he wasn't. He was petulant in these books. He felt like he was owed something. I didn't I didn't see him fight for anything. Um, even in a dark side vein. He fell in with the wrong crowd and they gave him some stupid badass clothes that had buckles and belts on it. And <laughs> okay. Shit. That, that, outfit that I hate. I, a little ridiculous. I hated that outfit. He's like, well, let's get him a new, if he's going to run with us, he needs new clothes. Get the, that's so stupid. I hated that, <laughs> that, that, that writing Charles skull. I think Charles soul is better than that kind of writing. And I, I don't know if, they wanted to rush the release of this to give it to us right around the time of the movie release. I think this series would have been better served had it come out months before the movie to get in, in even in its current form, I think it would have been better served well beforehand because it doesn't give any, anything away in the rise of Skywalker or even in the sequel trilogy as a whole, but to give him, you know, this stupid black emo goth outfit, that's just belt buckles and, and, and straps like, <laughs> Rob Liefeld would be proud. Yeah, but like, you know, it, it was so stupid that like they gave him like the anti-Han Solo look. Like it, it's so, uh, I mean, come on. You know, they might as well have given him like an earring. You know, like, it's, it's so stupid. Like uh, now he's all of a sudden he's rebellious and like the, the bad, the cool kids are except stupid. You know, I just I, I had so many problems with the development of his character in this story that I never wanted for him to like, no, you're making the wrong move. Like you should turn. Like there was no suspense in the story. And this and again, it's not because we already knew where he was, but 
I just feel like this story was so so bare bones and poorly written that it did a disservice for this character for me. I, I just I, I the only thing that I didn't like the only story Star Wars wise that I liked less than this one was the Vader Dark Visions issue number three, Ooh. where there's like that whole fangirl thing. This is like bottom of the barrel for me. And I hate saying that because Charles Soule is a fantastic writer. That Vader series that he gave us front to back, the Lando miniseries, those are fantastic stories. But I think he had time to flesh those out. This Kylo Ren thing, like just it did nothing for me to feel anything for this character. I just I and and the thing is, I feel bad saying that because I wanted to be invested in the Ben Solo Kylo Ren character. And it, this book did nothing for me in, in that end. Yeah. Like how does Lando get, get five issues or whatever it was? And, and, but this, this, you know, this is sort of like one of the linchpins of the sequel trilogy, this character, and it gets yeah. four. That four. I didn't understand. That was a little ridiculous. Yeah. Ugh. Anyway, we'll, we'll come back to that. <clears throat> Like in terms of like Ben's connections to his his family, his parents, uh, Luke, like I never got the impression that there was any bad relations with Luke at all. Like I thought the dynamic between the two just seemed really sincere, like a nephew uncle relationship. Like I thought Luke genuinely liked Ben. And Ben was like, oh, cool, Uncle Luke. Like he was oh, he was fine to be with Luke. And, And Luke said, you know. Uh, I think it was an issue two where they face off against the Knights of Ren. Um, you know, Luke's talking or the, the, Ren is saying to Luke like, oh yeah, you're, you are the last Jedi. And he's like, yeah, but I won't always be. And panel cuts to, to Ben. And that's, you know, that's when they sort of plant the seed and they go, oh yeah, that guy. Oh no, no. We sense the dark side in that kid. Don't you? We all sense it. Ha ha. And they're just, and Ben's like, oh, it's true. They see right through me. I, I thought that was, that was all right. But again, like in terms of where all this hatred for uh, for Luke and you know, I guess he says he didn't hate his father, but without uh, I I have so much trouble with this without knowing what the relationship between Ben and Han and Leia was about. I just, I can't I I can't fully buy into what's being sold to me here just yet like i I don't know and there's no like not nothing that we know of says that he was neglected maybe he was rick you i think you alluded to it maybe we find out he was raised by droids while leia was off you know setting up the new republic and han was being han maybe we find out he just wasn't getting enough but there's i will i do not believe that there was that there's any way that his parents felt anything but love for him at any point. And they always wanted like the best for him. So I, I, I do, I struggle with that. Um, yeah, there's a, there's a, also, there's a part it's starting in the, I think it's issue three and Ben is sort of having um, his, his you know air quotes job interview with Ren and he's telling the story of the fight he had with those three Padawans on Elfrona, I think it is. Yeah. And 
he lies. Like he lies about the whole thing, claiming this. And this is where he sort of he's pretending he's. Uh, this is where I guess where he starts putting on the facade that he's actually a badass. But like he says, "Oh yeah, I'm the one that destroyed the temple." Like he's kind of peacocking about it. And you know, he outright said in the first issue that, "Oh, I didn't want. I don't. I don't want this." And now his he's totally changed his story. You know, he's he's in this like fake it till he makes it mode, and then like come issue four, when things have have gone to you know everything's gone to hell, everyone's fighting with each other, and this this is the card he plays, where like he feels like, he, oh I never had a choice in all this, and you know, both the light and the dark side of both claimed him for his own. I think that's actually, in the book, um, but you know like one of the Padawans, Ty, the uh, the bald headed dude. Like he's he the whole time he's telling as they chase Kylo Ren across the or Ben across the galaxy after the temple temple incident, he's saying you you still have a choice, you don't have to do this. Come back with us. Like so, there was even in this, multiple cho- chances for Ben Solo to not do what he's gonna do. And uh, also See, with sorry, go ahead, Marie. For me, that was a parallel with. The and I know Anakin had already killed younglings, so it doesn't exactly parallel, but the scene just really reminded me of on Mustafar when it's Anakin, Padme, and Obi-Wan, and she's like, Padme's just pleading with him, and he's like, No, you know, my new empire. But um to me that paralleled it a lot. And yeah. so there is I that. don't know <laughs> but with at least with Anakin there was like the, I think that is the only time where somebody said come back like stop what you're doing come back and nobody else reached out to him ever again in this it's like multiple times those padawans are like hey dude stop let's talk let's talk about this let's we're not going to fight we're not here to hurt you stop and he's like nope and then into the sequel trilogy, Ray tries to help him. Uh, Han tries to help him. And every time this idiot is doubling down on, on stupidities. <laughs> you know, like, and, and that to me made the character worse. Like, because you can still see that this guy's still frail and yet he's still doing bad stuff. And it didn't. It made me feel less empathy for the guy. Because he did have a, like people were reaching out to him and he just k- keeps refusing that help. And it's like, okay, dude, you don't want the help. Like suffer. Like I can, you can only like lead a horse to water so much. Like he's got to be the one to say, okay, I, I need help. See what, what we don't have for Ben Solo during his downfall in relation to Anakin is the, is the moment where Anakin's on Mustafar uh, or even on Coruscant and he sheds a tear. Yeah. You know, Anakin knows that there's fault in his actions, but he has purpose behind them. And that's, what's leading him down that path. However selfish they may be, he doesn't think that they are. You know, that's I think that's storytelling for a good villain is to make them feel like they are not the bad guy. We knew we knew coming into 
the prequels that Anakin would become Vader. And I, I think I, th- I think it's pretty fair to say now, watching the movies, that um, Anakin's not going to have an easy go if you're watching them episodes one through six um, without knowing anything. You know that he's just not going to have an easy time throughout the course of his life. But with Ben Solo, we never see that moment of really deep introspective, what am I doing? He's already the villain in The Force Awakens. We have that moment with him and Han on the bridge on Starkiller Base, and you can interpret that scene a couple of different ways. Where is Ben Solo actually reaching out? Is he being manipulating, uh, manipulative to Han Solo himself? Um, is he using Han as a way to prove himself to Snoke and become a full-fledged, you know, darksider? Um, that Ben Solo isn't given that moment of of introspective remorse that we see with Anakin. And as much as we kind of malign the uh, the prequels for, you know, however those stories are made, you know, going back to the whole Blue Bantha Milk thing, he's given that couple of seconds. And I really hope at some point we get something like that for Ben Solo because, again, everything about him so far just alludes to that he never got what he wanted, that he was owed something because of a legacy that his parents had had laid out. And again, that can't be an easy thing to, to live up to, but because of it, you're still not owed any kind of allegiance or a title. And if that's what Snoke or Palpatine was dangling, if, if that was the carrot that they were dangling in front of him, we're not seeing a whole lot of that in this comic book series. You know, that's one of the pieces that seems to be missing. You know, is he tempted with power? Is he tempted with an ability to do something? No, he's just given the chance to walk away from the family that he had. That's that's all, you know, that seems to be the story that, that was laid out before him. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I... I... I I really can't disagree with with too much of that. Um, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's true. Yeah, and to lay down, and, and honestly, like I I I don't want and to anybody who 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 really enjoyed the, this miniseries. I I'm not trying to change anybody's mind. You know, this is what I got out of it, and maybe I had some preconceived notions beforehand. You know, the ways that I felt about Kylo Ren Ben Solo beforehand. Um, but, you know, coming out of the back end of this and what we got in The Rise of Skywalker, if that's the, the picture of his story that we've gotten, there's way too many pieces missing at this point for me to feel bad for him or feel any kind of joy for him at the end um, of his story. Like, I mean, he turned and we kind of knew that that was going to happen. Um, and for the reasons that he did, I, I think it, it was great in the movie that he... Um, was willing to sacrifice somebody that he cared for um, in in Ray. I think that was fantastic. Um, I think maybe, again, it's another one of those things. Maybe the story could have been told slightly different to let that moment have its impact. Um, but again, like, you know, I, I don't know that at the end of Ben Solo's story in The Rise of Skywalker, what we got, at least in these comic books, as a 
I mean, this is the origin story that we have so far. We get a little bit in last shot with baby Kylo, our baby Ben, not Kylo. Uh, like he was, he was a dark side force user when he was a year old. Um, but no, <laughs> when, when he was like baby Ben solo, um, this is the origin story that we have for this villain. And there isn't that beginning part of the redemption story for him to say, this is what he can go back to. The story starts with him being already within the clutches of a manipulation. You know, there isn't uh, uh, a promise of a return to form for him like we get with Anakin because we see him as this wholesome eight-year-old or nine-year-old in uh, The Phantom Menace. And so having that complete story for Anakin by the end of Return of the Jedi, it feels better because we know that at some point in his life, he was a caring individual. And we don't have that for Ben Solo yet. See, I didn't, I didn't see it as him wanting as Ben wanting a title or wanting or feeling entitled. I, this is a little excerpt from my review. Cause I can't say it better than this. Um, while we don't see too much of Ben's childhood, we do see his struggle with being fully dark. And this comic series makes it ever so clear that the dark is not where he truly wants to be. He just feels so alienated and so alone and so much of a failure that he sees no other path. And adding to the complication of matters, we see panels of Palpatine manipulating events, speaking into Ben's mind, coaxing him to go down the dark path. It couldn't have been easy to stay on the light side of the force with someone as all-powerful as Palpatine probing Ben's mind, clone or not. Yeah, so that's I'm how I see it. <laughs> yeah, I, again, if you feel, <clears throat> if you're someone who, who came into this already sort of <clears throat> uh, feeling for Ben and how th this kid never had a chance because Palpatine sunk his fangs into him in the womb. You know, like we already know yeah. that from Aftermath. Leia already felt this dark menacing presence around her kid so palpatine was was there from the beginning so you can you can say and i think with with a pretty good uh you know good justification that ben solo never really had a chance and okay yeah palpatine got him uh for me i think I think Ben comes off more as a dummy in this series than in the sequels. And again, we talked about how the Skywalker men are kind of dummies. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, it, he tells Han that he was weak and foolish and he definitely was, but I don't think he was weak and foolish for the reason, for the reasons uh, he thinks Ben was weak and foolish. Like I think Ben in this series just makes bad unforced errors like, I think there were olive branches. I think there were legitimate pathways uh, to salvation for him. And he just made bad choices. And and again, to parallel with Anakin, he made bad choices too. But he felt like he was doing it. Like, his bad choices come from, you know, the, the selfishness and desperation of, of needing to save Padme. That yeah. was always there as a driving force. Ben Solo doesn't have that. Like he doesn't, there's no Padme for him to save. There's no, there's not that thing that he's clinging to. And 
I, I don't know if it's, if it's something that we'll learn about Ben, but as of now, it's like he's just adrift. And maybe that's... You see, know, now I, 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 I got to say something about... I don't see... He doesn't make the choices. The choices are, are, are made for him. He doesn't kill anybody. He doesn't do anything bad in these books. You know, when, you know, he tries to save the one, uh, the one Padawan, I, I don't remember their names offhand. Um, and he's forced to like push back a, a, a blaster bolt or something and it loses, it, it strikes his, his concentration and it, it turns out to be a mistake that the one Padawan, you know, falls and dies. And when he's face to face with, um, uh, in, in issue four, I think it was, and uh, with the with the last Padawan, and and all of a sudden there's like a snap of a neck that he didn't do. But yeah, that wasn't him either. You know, <clears throat> I mean, the, the, like the, he doesn't. He's not making these decisions. He's not the one that's saying, "This is you know my next step towards, uh, you know, becoming a dark sider. You know, this is the path that I want to go down." It's just that all of these things happen outside of his control. And then by the end of it, he says, you know what, by golly, I am the bad guy and you were right to call me so. And it just, all of a sudden there's this tonal shift in his character in the last couple of pages of issue four that, you know, like, you got me, I'm the bad guy because you said so. Like it doesn't, there was no buildup to any of that. You know, yeah, we see some struggle with him you know, maybe not wanting to do some things, but then when when she when she says to him, "You're a murderer," and he's just like, "Yep, got me." That's what my business card says. I printed them out this morning. No, that's not. You know, to me, reading this, that's not character development. You know, that's not a way to to have this this guy come out and say, like, you know, I've been struggling my whole life, and this is just where I felt like I needed to be, it was just like this series of unfortunate incidents that led up to that. And he finally just said, I'm just going to own all of it and say that it was me. And I don't know. It, it, yeah. it felt like it cheapened. If it, it felt like it cheapened the character for me, like there could have been so much more to, to, to have him fall down that path. He wasn't falling away from anything. You know, he wasn't struggling to hold on to something. I, I didn't get that from him. Well, I, I you know, what, I, and, and and I don't want to and, and and I don't want to make it out like I'm completely dumping on these books because there were things that I genuinely liked. They just had nothing to do with Ben Solo. <laughs> <laughs> I well, really like the Luke Skywalker Temple stuff when all the when all the younglings were there. Like I I enjoyed that part because it showed a, a, a renewed development of what you know future generations could be. And then that was it. Yeah. No. Like when I say like Ben. You know, when he just he just kept like doubling down on 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 stupid you know like rejecting help uh, that to me is like why why like you you it's already established in the book that you don't want this like you don't want you know uh you don't want to be the killer you don't want to necessarily be the bad guy you want to be your own person but there's nothing here to say that you want to be evil and here's here's these olive branches to take to help you come back, even though you haven't yet even really done anything. 
and yet he 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 doesn't do it and i i i can't wrap my head around that it's it also but but it, it carries through into the force awakens like he's not the one that orders the shots from star killer base nope he's standing by he's standing by watching hux do that but kylo ren is you know the face of the first order because he's got a mask and black clothes, it seems, you know, and I, you know, I, I, I don't want to cheapen the character, but I mean, that's when, when, when you connect the dots, I mean, that's kind of what it boils down to, in my opinion, for him. And Marie, you gotta, you gotta help me wrap my head around this thing because I, I, I fell, I fell so hard on these books. Like I just, I, I, I didn't even want to reread them before recording tonight. I, I didn't want to revisit them. I think part of it, and this is, I'm not going to be too specific, but I, it just is getting a little bit personal. I am realizing that through what he, his life is presented as and what he has to deal with in this series, I realize that I can relate to him, not in an evil way. Obviously, I'm not evil. Um, but when it comes to coming from a loving family and still feeling like you aren't loved and knowing that they love you, but they love you in a way that maybe isn't what you need. And also, um, there, what was the other thing I was going to say? Ah, <laughs> Um, oh, seeking help. So knowing that you're going to a really dark place in your head and people are trying to help you, but you just can't seem to get out of your head to accept that help. Even though people are trying, you can't do it. It's just not possible. And I've been there. And so, like, I never, I'm just making this connection tonight. Like, this is not something that, that I had made a connection with previously. But I realized that that's, I think, why I like this series so much is because I get it. That's super valid. I like that. Thank you, Marie. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I, I, I don't know. Again, I don't know if the people in charge of this book wanted us to be debating Ben's fall. <laughs> like are, are, did they intend for us to be unclear so that we can have these conversations and still be unclear you know or you know be free to have our own interpretations uh or did you know are we supposed to walk away from this going oh i get it i completely get it now it's super black and white and we should all see exactly why um like what well, you, you know what is black and white kyle is that they didn't title this series the fall of ben solo they titled it the rise of kylo ren like, are we, are we, are we supposed to feel for the former character, you know, this kid, or are we supposed to begrudge the character he's going to become? And, and that's just purely in the title, you know, and not, you know, the context of the stories itself. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, words they matter. I mean, they, yeah, they titled it for a reason. Yeah, absolutely. So it's not, yeah, 
for sure. The, the, the word choices matter here. Uh, and I don't know if it's, if, if I can be as cynical as to say Kylo Ren is the, the name that sells or, you know, maybe, maybe the, I don't you know. It, I, yeah. You know what? The name Ben Solo. There's a billion hashtags yeah. with yeah. Ben Solo attached to it. They could have titled it The Fall of Ben Solo, and it probably would have, it might have sold more than it did. And it's been, these books sold gangbusters oh, for whatever reason. Because I don't – that's the other thing that for all the, com- all the Star Wars comics that have come out in the past couple of years um, – that, in my opinion, have told better, more compelling stories. That this was the thing that sold as well as it did. I'm glad that it did. I'm glad for Charles Soule um, as a creator. I'm glad for Will Slinney as an artist because I, I think his art was 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 very good oh, in these books. Good. I thought the art was great. Yeah, um, I think I think the coloring um, of these books was fantastic. Uh, let me see who the colorer was. Especially real quick in the fourth here. issue, like the fourth issue, the coloring and that. Guru effects. Yeah, Guru effects. Um, the 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 color distillation in these in these. I, I thought it was great. Um, but yeah, I, I don't I don't know. I, I and again, this is one of those things. If, if if they had put these books out where it ended before the rise of Skywalker, if it had started in July as opposed to December, because you know we already had the movie as an endpoint for the character, like. I think it takes away something um, of of context for sympathy for him to know how he fell at that point, you know, or you, or you just wait a long time until after the movies, like we did with return of the Jedi invader. Um, if you want to follow that same kind of model, but I, I think there was so much hype and popular popularity around Ben Solo uh, leading up to the rise of Skywalker that they felt like this was a story that they needed to put out. And it, to me, it feels rushed. It feels like there could have been more um, to help sell that downfall for Ben Solo um, to help validate the, the redemption afterwards. Um, and again, that that's a personal take. I, you just, Oh, there's, I, no, yeah, there's no doubt in my yeah. mind that this should have been a novel. No doubt. Oh, in my yeah. Mind. This should have been not, a, or if there's going to be a comic book series, this needed to be, I don't know, six minimum. Yeah. Minimum, probably more of like an eight yeah. to 10. There's so, there's so much depth of character that could have been explored with Ben Solo, Kylo Ren, that it could have gone that the, the Canaan route, you know, give me 12 issues of this. And I, it could have been, I mean, I mean, come on, we got 25 issues of a Vader story when we had already had 25 issues of a Vader story. <laughs> and and that second volume was amazing front to back. That's what I mean about Charles Holt. He's capable of filling out a longer narrative for a character that deserves it. And I think, even though he's not my favorite character, I think Ben Solo Kylo Ren deserves that kind of treatment because I think there's so many more, even after this, miniseries so many more questions that really haven't been answered about him there's no legitimacy in my eyes to his fall except for a manipulation that there's something else there that i'm i'm not feeling for him that i i think his character is deserving of that and it's not for me because you know he's got his fans i'm not a detractor in that way i just i want to know more about him to make me feel sympathetic about him throughout the course of the last movie and a half, say. Yeah, like, 
he's just he's he's all fake it till you make it right and and he talks a big game and he he does some heinous things but you still you see right through him and maybe that's the beauty of the performance or the writing of ben solo as a character both in in print and on screen but i i just had difficulty buying into this character as a villain from the beginning and yeah he's a, he was a frothing at the mouth lunatic at the end of last jedi but you still always felt that han and leia's kid is just not gonna stay here and so they i I feel like it's inevitable that we get a deeper dive into his story like i think we got to We, we we have to learn more about his history about his upbringing and what else what other manipulations were were afoot here what got into his head in terms of expectations that were placed upon him um living up to that you know the family legacy what is there and you know what we still don't have which to me at this point it's a, it's more this to me more falls to abrams and, and ryan johnson to a lesser extent but why the hell has anakin never spoken to ben solo via I force ghost <laughs> it's this to me is just a huge hole yeah that drives me crazy and there is zero reason for it, and, unless he has. And, and, and in which case, if, if, and I think that's that the reason why, you know, I, the reason we haven't seen Anakin speak to Ben Solo is that if he did, and Ben Solo still falls, you stop feeling bad for him. Like if if Anakin shows up to to Ben Solo and goes, "Hey, I've been here. I'm your grandfather. I went down this exact path with these exact manipulations." stop and and if he still goes over the edge it's like oh dude like you couldn't have heard it from a better person and you still went over the edge so maybe that's simply the reason why we've not heard of anakin speaking to ben solo because it would completely delegitimize at least to me it would completely delegitimize ben solo if we learned that Anakin did reach out to him at some point to stop him and he still said no. Anyway, I, I still think, you know, oh man. I, and, and again, just to touch on the, the, the four issue bit, I wonder if it's part of it, it was because they knew they wanted to do high Republic that they didn't want to drag this story out. So let's, let's get, let's clean up the Skywalker era. Let's stick with four issues with Ben rise of uh, Kylo Ren and then you know, clear the table a little bit for the, for the High Republic because we don't want this chatter about Ben Solo to keep to be ongoing. But I, I feel like the, it's still needed. Yeah. It's still needed. Like we, I don't feel we've gotten enough about Ben Solo either way to to make a a, a, a really good case as to why or why why shouldn't I feel bad for him? And again, like I said before, if you were predisposed to feeling one way or the other coming into this four issue series. I think whatever, I think this series just reinforces what you already felt. So that's true. Yeah. I mean, any, uh, Marie, I'll give it, we'll start our final thoughts here. I'll let you finish up and then just let us know if you want, uh, first, first of all, final thoughts, would you recommend it? And is there more to tell? Um, 
Well, I obviously would recommend it. <laughs> I think I I really, really enjoyed it. Got a lot out of it. Um, but I do think that there is definitely room for more stories, for sure. And for me, I came into it completely ambivalent about his character. Like, I didn't really know what I thought either way. So, like, I didn't know if I, I was just very ambivalent about Bendemption. I was like, maybe it'll happen, maybe it won't, I don't know, I just want a good story. So, I came into this kind of like a clean slate, and so I let the story itself kind of affect how I thought about it in the end. Cool. Cool. Um, Rick, over to you. Final thoughts, recommendations, is there more to tell, all that stuff. Uh, even though I wasn't a big fan of the series, I would still recommend it because my word is not the end all be all for any opinion for, uh, Star Wars storytelling. So go and read it, go pick it up, um, and let us know if you liked it, if you didn't like it. You know, to you know, send us an email. You know, tell us. You know what what your feelings were. Um, I, I want to know what uh, what people really thought about this. So I would recommend it um, for to that end, just to kind of open up the conversation. Um, and I, yeah, there there is definitely more to tell with the the Ben Solo Kylo Ren character. Um, and I. I want to know that I want to know more of, of what was going on both with uh, Ben Solo younger and with uh, Kylo Ren kind of um, in uh, his quiet, quieter times. Like what was he, what was he doing? Was he meditating? What was he saying to the, to the Vader mask, you know, kind of stuff, you know, what, what challenges was he facing later on in his life? Yeah, for sure. Um, can hand, can fandom handle Ben Solo stories? Uh <laughs> That's a really good question. And I think that's a loaded question. And and I think it's a fair question to ask because how much of the outrage in the last five, six months has been over him has been about Ben Solo. And it's it's not been a good noise in fandom. No. And so do we, do we deserve more Ben Solo stories? Can we handle it? I don't know. And I, I don't know if that's, if that ever factors into the equation. Or if the if the driving force is this is a story that we deserve to we think deserves to be told, let's let fans do what they will with it. Have fun, everybody, uh, and then it's it's it's, it's, a, it's a gong show. But obviously they're out there watching, and I I don't know, I don't know if we deserve more Ben Solo stories because it just makes things downright unpleasant in fandom because there's, there's seems to be very little middle ground with this character. You're either an, like an apologist for him, or you think he's just an, a horrible character. I don't know very many people who are like, eh, whatever. Yeah. So I don't know. Um, I'm in the middle of, of you guys in terms of like the series overall. I've I've got a really high bar for Charles Soule, and I've read a lot of his stuff outside of Star Wars, and I've never been disappointed. And I don't I don't want to say that I'm disappointed in this series. Uh, I feel like I went out to a really good restaurant for dinner and the the dinner itself was okay. 
you know, I, I, I would still say to go ahead and read this. If you haven't, it's just four issues. It's, it doesn't take long. The art is fantastic. I think that that's is worth reading alone. There's some good moments with Luke. Um, so I, and again, if you, if you're looking for some Luke pre pre TFA, this is it. You know, this, this is really, uh, what all we've got so far. Um, and there's those cool moments in, at the end of issue four where, and I think this is why we didn't get this series before uh, Rise of Skywalker came out is because you get that, that Palpatine cameo, which would have yeah, felt that's really, true. Out of, that would have felt really out of place. Yeah. Um, we would have been, we probably would have spoiled a lot of people to see that panel with Palpatine actually being the one pulling the strings. Uh, so I think that, or, but yeah, they could have done three issues before uh, Rise of Skywalker and just save the fourth issue for later. Anyway, that's neither here nor there. Um, pick it up if if you're so inclined. I think you'll still at least find some things to enjoy about it. And then uh, send us an email because like Rick said, I want to know what people thought about this series because uh, our opinions are not the be-all, end-all. And this is a very polarizing character with who who seems to generate a lot of opinion. Uh, but that is, uh, that's, a, that's our chat on the rise of Kylo Ren. And I don't think we'll ever speak about this again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, stay tuned next month for when we actually probably will talk about this again. Uh, I don't know. Um, anyway, I had fun with this. Um, I, I enjoyed talking about these things because you know what? It's just not a, it's not an echo chamber. We're all going, oh, that was so cool. Eh? Yeah, yeah, that was great. That was, that was super cool. Um, there's, there's, there's things here that people view differently. And I think that is cool. Yeah. Um, all right. That's going to do it for this episode, everybody. Marie, Rick, thank you guys. This was a lot of fun. Absolutely. Especially thank at, you. Especially at the end of this, you know, crazy week. Hope, you know, I, I, I hope that, you know, for me, getting to do this at the end of every week is a great way to cap, the, cap off the week. And here we are capping off the month of May. And I hope June is a better month for for everybody (laughs) yeah let's hope things start looking up for everybody here um and i hope that this podcast sort of breathes some life some good energy into the beginning of your week beginning of your month and uh i want to thank you guys so much for taking a couple hours out to listen to us during these crazy times um but if you want to be a part of the podcast as always send us uh your questions and thoughts to tumblingsaber at gmail.com and we'll be happy to read those and answer those on an upcoming podcast. Uh, if you want to help us out, there are many ways in which you can do that. Make sure you're subscribed to the podcast, uh, wherever it is you listen to podcasts. Uh, write us a review on Apple Podcasts, and we'll re- we'll read that on a future episode as well. Uh, share Sharing is such a big, big thing. Share it with your friends. And otherwise, you can find us on Patreon. Support what we're doing there and... Uh, get some extra audio for your time and money. You can find that at patreon.com slash tumbling saber. Um, shout out to Rob Wade for endorsing this episode as part of the E14 endorsed program, which you can learn more about at emotionally14.com. And lastly, be sure to check out our friends at the star Wars Commonwealth podcast network. You can find our home base on Apple podcasts on Facebook. We're on Twitter. Lots of great podcasts. Everybody's doing some great work in the star Wars galaxy. Still, banging it out and having a lot of fun out there. So if you need more podcasts around Star Wars, check out our brethren at the Commonwealth. Uh, So without all that out of the way, Marie, where can we find you on social media? 
You can find me at Alia Morgan on Twitter. And my print media and TV show review blog is the Star Wars Review.blogspot.com. And then my reviews, my four reviews of the Rise of Kylo Ren issues are on BeyondTheBlastDoors.com. Awesome. Rick, over to you, man. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Cat Bane's Bounty. Um, and you can also listen to me right this second saying thank you to everybody that's uh, choosing to listen to us right now uh, amid all the insanity. You can also find me and my first grade buddy, Scott, in the <laughs> totally safe, totally awesome Tumbling Saber uh, Facebook group. Uh, where we're planning on taking over and um, next time it'll just be uh, me and Scotty on the pod and uh, Kyle and uh, Maria will be somewhere else where we don't know in an undisclosed bunker somewhere maybe but uh, in all seriousness no you can find us in the uh, in the Facebook group uh, talking all good things uh, collecting books uh, generally uh, being nice to each other and enjoying each other's company uh, from a distance okay that's enough nice talk Mark please it's enough. <laughs> Screw you, Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. All right. You guys, you can find me in the uh, aforementioned Tumbling Saber Facebook group. Uh, you can also find me on Twitter on, and on Instagram at Tumbling Saber. And that is going to do it for this episode. Thank you guys so much for listening. Have a great week and may the force be with you. Bye. Stay safe, y'all. Static draws me closer to your place Willing me through my dreams fall away Signs blindly to the lines on your face Beating strong Drifting Not relive this dream Over And over And over Again Please don't leave my heart broken Bleeding Don't believe it breathing if only to see you next to me sleeping soundly smiling not really this dream over and over
Running away, darling. Please don't. 